Welcome to the Pre-Health Pod. My name is Lexi. And I'm Sarah. And we're a podcast by students for students who've been through undergrad, are going through application processes, and are here to meet you wherever you are. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? (laughs) Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, Well, in this exciting episode, we're going to talk to (laughs) Sarah Kubrick later, who's known as the Millennial Therapist on Instagram and other social media platforms. And she's such an icon, and I really enjoy talking to her. Me too. She is so cool. I like cannot believe she was willing to join our podcast and speak with us. I feel like (laughs) I have a little bit of imposter syndrome here. Like we are not cool enough to be talking to someone as awesome as her. Um, She just wrote a book too. It's called It's On Me. It releases tomorrow. So definitely check that out. I think it has a lot of really good information about mental health and just kind of finding yourself and helping yourself really. Um, But I also think it's going to be better than the regular self-help books. I like, am a super big supporter of self-help books. I've read them. um, I've encouraged other people to read them and hers, I think is more than that. It's, it's going to be a really good book. I've read like all the little synopsis synopses for it and I actually pre-ordered it too. So definitely check that out when it drops tomorrow. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, it, in this episode, we talked all about imposter syndrome. Um, I have it. You probably have it. I don't know. Lexi any has it. <laughs> we all experience it. It's like our most common thing shared. I think like we yeah. can all relate on that subject at least. Don't let the system beat you down. That's the common theme. (laughs) Yeah. And don't let yourself beat yourself down either. You really have to like keep on yourself, like keep reminding yourself that you're important. You're doing great things. You're successful. But we talk all about that in the episode. So I would much rather talk about you, Lexi. What's going on? (laughs) Um, secondary still going. It's a common theme. What? I'm working. (laughs) Um, yeah, we like recently ended the National Pre-Health Conference, I think about, I guess a month ago at the time of this dropping. And yeah. that's insane. It went so well. We had over 1500 people register for the event and hundreds and hundreds of people attend. And oh my gosh, yeah. I'm just blown away by the support we've received from our community and our guest speakers just emailing me left and right and being like, I want to do another event and it's, and or come on the podcast. And it's just like, so heartwarming and so cool to see. And I just like, am excited for all our future events that we're doing soon. (laughs) Yeah. Currently we are in the thick of planning for the research symposium. That's going to take place on October 21st. Yeah. Yeah. October 21st. It's a Saturday. Um, that's going to be great. We have a great keynote speaker lined up as well as a couple of other fun surprises for you. So definitely head to the website and register if you haven't yet, because you're not going to want to miss this one. Or even if you have research to present, feel free to submit it. We'd love to look into yeah. it and possibly have you present your research. Yeah, we'll launch an application um, shortly. It might already be launched. <laughs> Go check out our website at nationalbrailcomcnf.org for more information. If you'd like to be a presenter and present your research and get great presentation experience, or be a supporter and attend our research symposium while also hearing great advice from our keynotes, which will be pre-med or pre-PA or pre-health related, <laughs> something like that. We'll, we'll let you know soon. Um, but yeah, secondaries as well, just 
writing and writing. I'm like, at the time of this recording, halfway, I think I've submitted a little over 10 and I got 10 more to go. And I've received almost all of them except for four. That's exciting. Yeah. And after we record this, I will go be working on them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, at the time of this recording, I still have not heard back from any other PA schools except the one that sent me a beautiful little rejection letter. Um, Uh, it's okay. I'm just waiting. It's a big waiting game applying to PA school. So we'll see what happens. I'll let you know as soon as I know. Um, but otherwise I'm getting married. So I was going to say, I'm like, this is the big game. Your tone. Oh no. You got me more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding I'm I'm a sarcastic person I hope that shows in the podcast and you guys just don't think I'm weird um but yeah I'm getting married next weekend um by the time that this is released it was a while ago <laughs> but I'm excited I honestly I can't wait and I even more can't wait for our honeymoon I'm so ready to unplug and just not talk to anyone or do anything for a solid week I can't wait (laughs) I feel like I've been go 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 for like five or six months now and I'm ready to just chillax on a giant cruise ship and do nothing (laughs) yeah you're going on a cruise oh my god I'm really excited my fiance plans the whole thing which is my favorite thing about him he just plans everything (laughs) yeah when you told me your fiance's bachelorette party when it was on a cruise I thought that was genius oh yeah he also planned so for his bachelor party he is on a cruise um he's on he's at his bachelor party right now (laughs) but honestly it was genius for them they yeah no dd I I know no dd no they don't have to worry about food or where they're staying or yeah like traveling to different locations or planning things to do it's all just on the boat or at the port when they dock like I kind of am like genius that I mean it's so it's such a man thing to choose the easiest possible thing to do (laughs) I guess Well, I'm so doing that. And I just want to say thank you for whenever I get married, which you're welcome. Will be forever in the future. <laughs> you're welcome. Happy to contribute. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I am. I am so excited for your wedding. I just love parties and free food. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's not kidding. <laughs> I know we're turning into a vacation too and staying at like a resort on the way there and back and we're gonna like go kayaking and fun and I'm just so excited for a break yeah but I feel ya we're like road tripping there for several hours I'm gonna like download all my secondaries and work on them in the car so we'll see if I get car sick but (laughs) oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah honestly I'm really hoping that I don't get anything from PA schools in the next couple weeks just because it's going to be busy getting married and then going on a honeymoon but if I do I will jump on it I guess and figure it out (laughs) oh my god taking it day by day I know it's so hard for pre-health and medical students and PA students and whatnot just to do normal life things seriously You just, you don't know what's around the corner anymore. I know. Yeah. Well, 
yeah, that's pretty much us. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if I have any fun stories. I feel like I'm boring right now. All I'm doing is writing. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. <laughs> I'm just writing and writing and writing and working. And- oh, okay. I have a little victory. So at the OBGYN clinic I work at, I got a phlebotomy certificate and I work as their phlebotomist too, as well as oh, an cool. MA. Um, but like, yeah, I got this phlebotomy certificate, but I got the certificate after only actually drawing someone's blood twice, which is insane to me. The fact that I now just get to draw people's blood, but whatever. (laughs) And, uh, when I started doing it at the clinic, I was like, this is hard. And a lot of times I'd miss honestly, and I'd have to poke people. I never poked anyone more than twice, but poking someone twice makes me feel bad. I felt like I wasn't doing a very good job. And this last week, I don't know if I was just getting good arms, but I was <laughs> rolling. I was doing such a good job. I didn't have wow. to poke someone twice a single time. I was so proud of myself. So there's my little victory of the week. I'm turning into a better phlebotomist. <laughs> I've never had that, like that patient experience like that, where I like touched a patient or poked them because as a scribe, you're like not allowed to, at least at my hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no. Honestly, Lexi, maybe you should go get a phlebotomy certificate because yeah. I was thinking about volunteering for the Red Cross and volunteering as a phlebotomist on the weekends mm. just to keep getting some volunteer hours and to help the Red Cross because I yeah they do. Um, I, I know, know I you could look at doing that just to get some patient care experience right now. I do kind of want to get back into that because I I did like end my scribe job and then I took a year just to get some work experience and take my MCAT and I'm kind of like craving getting back into the hospital. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think once I like stop writing all my secondaries, I think I'm going to go get a volunteer position or something at the hospital near I work near where I live. Yeah. So, yeah. I really like being a phlebotomist. It's cool. I like being an MA too, but honestly, I don't know. There's something about phlebotomy. It just, it really interests me. I this is going to sound so silly. Um, but I have a problem with skin. Like, <laughs> like, um, I don't know when you're going into medicine, people say just like, there's always that one part of the body where you're just like, Oh, that gives you the EBGBs. Like a lot of people it's eyeballs or for me, it's like cutting into the skin or poking the skin, which I know I want to be a surgeon or something. But like for when I was shadowing, I just like kind of like, oh, when you did the first incision, but after that, once you're inside, it's fine. Like I, I'm totally cool with all of the dealing with the organs and stuff, but your face right now. I don't know what to do with that information, Lexi. <laughs> I'm just like, like when I, I don't know, when you do the, the incision down the chest, like just watching the scalpel open the skin. I don't yeah. know. It gives like I can get over it, but it's you're awful. gonna have to. <laughs> well, I got over it after like watching people do this all the time in the ER and like while shadowing. Yeah, but like it still gives me a little bit of like ooh. So you don't think you'd enjoy phlebotomy? Yeah, that's why. Because even like when people poke my skin, it's not that it's painful, but I just like oh, I don't want to look at it. See, I don't like looking at like me getting poked. But I can watch other people get poked. It's just when it's on my skin that I'm like, 
Yeah. I, I think that's it, just though. like a pain reaction. Like when other people get poked, I'm like, ow. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Is that a fault? Is that a fatal flaw for me going you'll, into- you'll get past it eventually, right? Yeah. I know a lot of med students like had fainted at the sight of blood and I feel like that's a lot worse, but there's a lot of specialties where you don't have to deal with blood. So <laughs> my thing is teeth. Ooh. I hate teeth. Yeah. They okay. give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I don't want to look in someone's mouth at their teeth. I can look down their throat. I can look at their tonsils or whatever's going on in there. Yeah. Like check the airway. Fine. Whatever. If you want me to look at your teeth because you have dental pain. No. So, tap out someone else can do it I hate teeth they gross me out <laughs> yeah I can I yeah I think honestly that's on par as well <laughs> I'm not into teeth okay so no dentistry in our future that's fine oh my god well what is your um EVGB it's teeth I guess I'm, ask, I'm asking the audience <laughs> oh if, sure. tell us what your EBGB is email us we want to talk about it at nphc and national org, or even easier just dm us at prehealth pod oh yeah maybe i should do that more dm us at prehealth pod follow us prehealth pod prehealthpod.com tell us your EBGB we'll yeah. reassure you or we'll tell you you're crazy <laughs> no <laughs> we're not supposed to tell people they're crazy sarah <laughs> we're very realistic people (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right well yeah that's my update um let's go ahead and transition to our conversation with sarah kubrick the millennial therapist all righty hi guys and welcome back we are here today with dr sarah kubrick She is an existential psychotherapist, a consultant, a writer, and a columnist for USA Today. She's passionate about helping people seek change and live authentic, free, and meaningful lives. And she is releasing a book that's coming out here shortly. So we're really excited to meet with her and (laughs) talk all about imposter syndrome. We know as fellow pre-health students that imposter syndrome is one of the most challenging things you struggle with day to day. Um, So we really wanted to talk to an expert about how we can face this and different ways we can kind of conquer this or even just get a little bit ahead of it. So yeah, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is such an important topic. Um, I've experienced it myself and probably thousands or millions of pre-med and pre-health students who want to go into healthcare experience this every day, imposter syndrome. Um, And so I actually wanted to start it off with our first question to get the ball rolling. I, you know, recognize that I likely have imposter syndrome, something I experienced in college, just like, even though I got really great grades on my classes and particularly with applying to medical school, all of these activities that I filled out, medical school admissions is just still so, so competitive that even if you are a competitive candidate, sometimes you feel like, you know, you didn't do everything you could or that you're not good enough. And so with that said, um, it has like affected my ability in the past to do well in school. If when you hear someone talk to you about having imposter syndrome, what do you suggest the next steps would be? Yeah. Oh, this is such a big question. 
um I like I'm like I'm concise and I'm like this is such a big question but it (laughs) truly is and I think it's important to understand that something like pre-med or really any graduate program it wasn't designed for your mental health like yeah that is not on top of their list they weren't like how can we make this process (laughs) support the students going into medicine it's it's meant to be competitive it's meant to evoke imposter to some extent it's meant to make people question their abilities and try even harder it's kind of like that really unhealthy toxic relationship that you might be in and I think it's really good to understand the context in which we're trying to maintain our mental health this is not a normal thing this is not a healthy context for most people obviously I can't generalize and so it's okay that if you're struggling so all this to say is you're so not alone I think most people feel this way when they're in a situation such as applying for anything starting anything new dreaming big um I think what's really helpful is to I mean there's so many steps that you can consider (laughs) doing the first one though would be consider your why I think yeah what we start to do is compare our worth and our chances and feel like our future depends on comparison to other people and it becomes a very external process like I know this person they had these activities I know that they had this interview question and they got in or they didn't get in and it becomes so external that we lose sight as to like why did I want to become a doctor why did I want to become a psych why am I even going into this what is the meaning and the worth that I'm the meaning I'm deriving and the worth that I'm bringing to this profession. And I think it's so important to just take it back and make it a personal experience that is about you. And that is about what you want to contribute and the difference you want to make. That's one step. We can talk about that first. (laughs) No, that's absolutely perfect. And you made me think of um, something that a previous medical student said in our podcast, actually, Jay, Mm -hmm from Mayo Clinic, he was on our podcast previously. And what's that, what sets applicants apart is often introspection and mm-hmm. really sitting back when they're reviewing their personal statement and saying, well, what is the real reason I want to go into medicine? Yes, is to help people, but really try to dig deeper. Were there certain experiences you had? And um, that's something I had to do when I applied to medical school this cycle is like really dig deep into my future and what I wanted to do in the medical field. And I, you know, go to therapy every month and something I always address in my therapy session and they keep on asking me is like, well, take a step back. We're really in deep in this minute detail and like how you feel about this and like not getting the high enough MCAT score or feeling your GPA isn't competitive for certain schools and take a step back and be like, well, you know, you have the rest of your life to be a doctor, focus on the bigger picture of your life and like what you're looking forward to in that moment. Absolutely. Oh my God, I love that. And I think the fact that most students don't talk about how scared they are or when they fail, they don't share their failures. I think that kind of nurtures this imposter for absolutely everyone. And I wonder sometimes what it would be like to admit like, oh no, I did very poorly on this exam or like, no, my GPA actually slipped last semester. And you might tell your closest friends, But I think just being really transparent about that process and about your failures, I almost feel like when you speak the shame that we sometimes feel of not being good enough, it takes the power away. 
Yeah. A lot of medical schools and secondaries, and I'm sure Sarah, if you want to elaborate on PA schools, ask like, what is your biggest failure? And I think of instead getting into the nitty gritty nitty gritty details of why you failed more, just like Mm. focus on how you felt and how you grew Mm. from that experience. And, you know, you definitely reminded me of that. Absolutely. And I just want to say for our listeners out there, I got a D plus in cell bio the first time I took it. (gasps) I know I had to (laughs) retake it. It was terrifying. Yeah. Failing a class. It was like the scariest thing I experienced. And I was like, how did I even let this happen? I know how I let it happen. And I went into the class not wanting to admit that I'd taken this class before, not wanting people to know that, not wanting my fellow classmates to know. And I taught someone a topic we hadn't learned yet. And he was like, how did you know that? And I was like, this is my moment. I can do it. I can admit it. I'm retaking this class. And it was such a freeing feeling. Mm. And honestly, he could have judged me. Maybe he did. And I just didn't notice. And he was like, (laughs) wow, she failed a class. That's terrible. But I didn't care because admitting that and being honest about that Mm. and just like, this is a thing I did look at me retaking the class. Good for me. I'm still working on this and improving. So if you ever fail a class, guys, it's okay. I've done it too. (laughs) It's going to be all right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And honestly, it's always tough to admit, especially like academic, I don't want to say failures, but maybe setbacks is a better word. I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) I mean, I failed it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) you're acing this you're acing life (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah um I think the issue at least for me and now I feel old because I feel like I graduated undergrad 10 years ago so that feels like a milestone but (laughs) I I feel when you're in when you're in academics and again I can't speak for the medical world but I'm assuming it's similar it becomes your sense of identity as well oh yeah so failing it is not just failing a class not just letting your GPA drop it's about an attack or a threat to your sense of identity a lot of people identify with like I'm in this department and I want to become this and then their vocation or job becomes their entire identity which later on becomes an issue of its own but I think even while you're in the process at least it was for me of like a really hard thing that took years and years and years to really be able to separate who I am as a person and then like Sarah, the therapist or Sarah, the academic or Sarah, the graduate student. Like I, I I think that was an ongoing journey. And the sooner people start that, I think the better it is because then even if this part doesn't seem as solid, you still have a very complete sense of self and worth that has nothing to do with this one exam. Yeah. You really hit it on the money. Like I remember feeling exactly that way in college and I just like worked honestly too hard (laughs) as I'm going to admit in college. Like I wish I did more extracurricular activities that I enjoyed rather than worked in my research lab and hold up and studying every single night. Cause I felt like if I didn't get the best grade possible or, you know, get an A plus in all of my classes, then I wouldn't be competitive enough for medical school. And like, I would lose my identity because my identity for me was pre-med. I wanted to be a physician. That's something I wanted more than anything in my whole life. 
And so when anything I felt like had threatened that identity, like failing an exam or a midterm, it was crushing. And I think it's really hard just with how competitive admissions is and feeling like, honestly, even reapplications is a huge financial burden, a huge like time burden and can lead to burnout. And, you know, um, it can cause upwards of five, $6,000 every single year to apply in wow. medical school. Yeah. Like I spent so far, um, $3,000 and oh in total, I will likely spend four, four or $5,000. So it, it's a big thing, but I, that's something I'm looking to improve in the future for medical education. We need to improve equity, um, financial equity, and also like give people more opportunity to apply to medical school without it feeling so down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of wondering, um, so if you're feeling like your entire identity revolves around school, for people struggling with that, what, how can you refocus your identity and kind of like create a new one when you're in the thick of it? Yeah, that's a good question. Here's a really embarrassing story. Are you ready for it? Oh no. Um, <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> I was, I think just applying to grad school. So it was like a really stressful time. And I remember starting to see this guy and we were like kind of casually seeing each other. Great. And I remember him sitting me down <laughs> and going like you know you're really great but my god you're boring and I just went like ah uh, and he went all you can talk about is school and applications and exams and he was like super harsh may I say like it is not something that I would advise anyone to do ever yeah but he was the biggest wake-up call where yeah. I was like, what an asshole. Like, I was so offended. I was like, how dare you talk to me like that, blah, blah, blah. And then once that was done and over with, I sat there, ego aside, being like, is there any truth to what he's saying? Like, yeah. is there? And then I realized that he was like, I don't really know who you are besides your academic stuff. And he wasn't into it, fair enough. So we weren't compatible that way. But I think it really was like this, rude awakening of like wow I have nothing else to talk about like any conversation will end up being about grad school about my exam about school about a professor about yeah I read. and my gosh like I, my relationships were really suffering but so was my holistic sense of self which most of us had at some point or attempted to have before starting our academic journey so I don't know if that resonates with anyone but that was my <laughs> that's, um yeah no that's really <laughs> relatable but I think my mom said that to me before a guy did <laughs> oh mom yeah <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah I know like every time I see my family um none of my family went into medicine like no one, no one really knows or understands any of it. And they're just like, so how's it going? And I tell them all of the things and all the troubles I'm going through. And they're like, that sounds terrible. And that's our, honestly, a lot of our conversations. It's like, how are you? I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, normal. You know? And then and that's like, something no one understands I'm trying to change. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to work on it. And 
Oh, I'm like, I, I, a lot of my peers like have parents who are doctors or like siblings who are residents. And I'm like, wow, you guys what? don't understand. What is that like? I know. Yeah. I'm like just having a, a built-in mentor who can guide you through this process. And I know like 20% of medical students have a parent who is a physician and every secondary application I get, they ask me, is your parent a doctor? Whoa. Yeah. I had no idea that was a thing. And I was like, Dang. is this a big deal? <laughs> I'm like, we need to stop this. That's really wow. weird. I, I seriously had no idea that was a thing. I wonder, huh? Just because you see your parents do it, you want to do it more? Well, that's the, there's like a paradox to, to that too. Cause like one of the biggest, I think issues or one of the worst things you could do for your personal statement is say you want to go into medicine because your parent is a doctor. <laughs> but then again, like they also want to know that, especially if your doctor went to their school. Um, Cause legacy yeah. admissions is still a big deal in medical schools. Huh. That's really weird. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. If, probably not for all medical schools. Um, but I think a lot of the IVs, especially with like, Dang. yeah, that's a bit disappointing <laughs> that that yeah. would play a factor. Yeah. I don't like that statistic at all. Sorry. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> over here. That's what a okay. run vibe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's good yeah. for people to know that that's the reality. I know yeah, you have to be realistic about that kind of stuff because that is so out of your control. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. You'll so I didn't answer anyway. your question. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> I just realized I didn't actually answer your question. You know, I, I want to be realistic in terms of like having gone through a grueling graduate program. It's you can't just be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Make sure you set time apart because that's just not realistic and no one's going to listen. Right. But I think finding one thing or one hobby that gives you joy that's not Netflix. So something that still makes you feel connected to you. So I don't care if you're taking like 10 minutes to dance around your living room while you boil like pasta that you're going to eat with butter and salt because you can't be bothered to cook. Or like <laughs> if you're going to so read me. a chapter, yeah, if you're going to read a chapter a day, but it's like connecting to different elements of you. So either your body or your emotions or your mind and really just nurturing that connection. I understand that you can't like get a new hobby and like invest in you know all these relationships and all of that is super unrealistic but finding one way to connect to yourself finding one or two people who you can nurture a relationship with so that your ability to have relationships doesn't kind of get stunted during this process is so important and being with people that resonate with you will make you feel more like yourself yeah and even little things that make you feel like yourself you'll realize that like you are more than this exam you're more than just your brain you're more than just your output I yeah. think it's huge so tiny tiny little things I think are realistic I think a PSA could be <laughs> cut out those toxic pre-meds in your life um that's one of the big reasons why I started this podcast is because a lot of my friends would come up to me who are pre-med and they say, you're the first person I've known who isn't just like bragging about everything they've done. And <laughs> I've heard people say that, like was one person told me that 
she has had pre-med friends who would hold opportunities or scholarships or resources or research experience opportunities or whatever, like against people or not share it with other people because they didn't want them to get a leg up. And we really need to stop this. And we actually are going to record an episode soon um, with another pre-med student similar to me where we're just not like that. It's not in our nature to always be sharing our resume with every friend we meet because we feel like we need to be competitive in every instance. Um, Mm. Maybe not cut out your toxic pre-med friends, but have open conversations with them and say, we need to collaborate and lift each other up. Um, Mm. I think that's so important. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that kind of leads me into one of the questions I had, um, yeah. because that really is a way of setting a boundary. Um, so Sarah, how, how can we set boundaries like that without damaging the relationship? Because I know it's something that we all struggle with. No one wants to set a boundary. Are you talking specifically about boundaries regarding what conversations about icing people out, boundaries in general? Let's do boundaries in conversations. Like you feel like you're talking to someone and every time you have a conversation with them, it starts to feel like they're comparing you Mm. to them and it's becoming like a comparison fest and it's making you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my gosh. Um, And I think that that can happen accidentally as well as intentionally. I think the extra competitive people might do it kind of passive aggressively as a way to shake your confidence um yeah. and if you think that that's genuinely what they're doing I would really question the nature of that friendship right. and is that a friendship and why are you so worried about upsetting them with a boundary if it's someone who is maybe not doing it for that purpose but genuinely again kind of lacks something to talk about and he's trying to compare notes mostly because they're freaked out and scared and just want to make sure they're on top of everything yeah i think honesty goes a long way in terms of like it does not have to be defensive or offensive it does not have to be like hey you keep doing this it makes me feel like sh-. but it, it can be like hey i'm really struggling with imposter syndrome I'm really having a hard time having conversations that are not about school. I'm really having a hard time not comparing myself to other people. So when we have the, it comes from a place of vulnerability and honesty. So when we have these conversations, I tend to feel worse about myself. I tend to question myself. I tend to get more anxiety. And I really, really like you. I value our study time together. I value our in and out take out whatever yeah but like can we just not do that for my own sake like this is not a conversation I can offer you I hope you can respect that and it really has nothing to do with them but it's like you being honest about what you need to protect your space and your peace and I think it's like a blueprint it's saying this is who I am please respect who I am and it's not about you at all I love that so much. I think that last part you said, like, it's not about you so much, I think is also very important to share Mm -hmm. and say, and I loved how you were focusing on how I feel rather than what you're doing. I think that's something that's really important to keep doing in those types of conversations. 
It also disarms people because I think people get defensive whenever they think they're doing something wrong. Even if you're setting a boundary, most people go, I'm doing something wrong. And so then they like, they react to that, which makes sense. I think we all do. It's very human, but I think realizing it's really not about you or your fault. And I understand that this is how everyone in this program is having these conversations, I think is really like disarming and someone seeing your vulnerability is really powerful. Now, Mm -hmm. if they push after they see your vulnerability, I would really get the individual to reassess that relationship. Because if you're that vulnerable to go, hey, I feel insecure in this program. And so when we have these conversations, I feel worse. And then they keep doing it. Maybe it's time to dis the the next boundary can be actual distance, less time together, less conversations together, whatever you need. Absolutely. It's so important to be in tune with yourself that you understand what is upsetting you so -hmm. that you can try to set these boundaries and just have open conversations like this. It's something that I know it took me a long time to learn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that you talk about awareness. If you don't know what's upsetting you, you're going to have such a hard time communicating (laughs) or setting an appropriate boundary. You might set a boundary that has nothing to do. It'll be the most the least helpful boundary ever. And that's what people don't understand. Boundaries themselves aren't helpful. Boundaries that actually reflect you and your needs and your wants and your awareness are effective. Boundaries by themselves are not. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I also wanted to ask this other question. Um, This were kind of related to how I started off with my first question, but you know, I always feel like I have to be the absolute best in what I do. And I feel really terrible when I don't do better than my classmates. Is that a bad thing? And how can I improve that mindset? So I don't love the use of bad or good because now we're getting into the judgment territory. And I don't think this needs to be, this, this narrative doesn't have to come from a place of judgment, but curiosity in terms of like, why do I have the need to be better? I think that's such a productive question rather than like, is it bad? There's some people that are just competitive, like whatever. Sure. Most of us want to be better though for a sense of security. I need to secure a position. I do need to secure a ranking. I need to secure a whatever. It's not just, I want to be better than Sally. Like that's usually not (laughs) the motivation itself. Um, And also a sense of belonging. It's, It's shocking how many of us think our worth is correlated with our output yeah and so when we want to be better most people are actually seeking for a sense of worth Mm -hmm. and acknowledgement and value more than just beating out the class for their ego at least in my experience although I'm sure there are some and some are doing it because their parents put pressure on them some are doing like there's always the why and so I go back to why do you feel like you need to be better than everyone else? Is it for others? Is it for yourself? Are you just competing with yourself? And this is like a a way to kind of get a better read of how well you're doing. But I think whenever our happiness is based on comparing ourselves to others, we're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're happy with what you got on your test, awesome if you're only happy because then you realize no one else got as high of a grade but before that you were devastated because you didn't think it was high enough then you're in trouble because your happiness has nothing to do with what you accept what you want it has everything to do with how you compare to everyone else 
Yeah. Oh my God. Get that off. Was so long. No, that was great. Get off pre-med Reddit, everybody. Stop Ooh, yeah, don't go going on there. on there. I like, I have peers come up to me. They're like, well, I looked on Reddit and I saw this thing. I'm like, first of all, don't ever say that question again. <laughs> what were you doing there? Get off. I know. Cause when I first started studying for the MCAT. What is that? Pre-med Reddit like- or Reddit? No, I know it's okay. Okay, guys, come on. Pre-med Reddit. Um, so pre it's like our pre-med is like the channel oh, for okay. pre-med. So it's a specific channel where pre-meds bitch talk pretty much compare. Okay. Base compare yeah. is the big thing. A lot of MCAT comparison that I like every time I went on there. I mean, there is also our MCAT, but also our pre-med is the same where where it's like I applied to 30 schools and I got 15 acceptances or I got a 527 mm cat near perfect. And I started off with like 470, um, MCAT. It's just like blown out of proportion comparisons. And when I first went on there and people were like, this is all I did. I studied for one month and I got a 522 in the MCAT, which is a really high score. And it's just not realistic. And a lot of people compare themselves and realize you know, oh, why am I not getting the score in this time frame? Or am I not putting in the effort? I, I'm just not that good at taking the MCAT or setting for this. And every person's path is different. Every person's journey is different. And gosh, like when I went on Friday, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing everything wrong. And why is this taking me six months instead of one month? And my boyfriend at the time was like, get off Reddit. Nothing good happens from there. <laughs> There, he goes, everybody is lying. I'm like, how do you know? And he's like, these many people getting this score, like it doesn't add up. <laughs> um, so even if it's not true, or even if it's like not true, um, it still makes me feel better. I'm like, okay, well, they're just lying and I'll just not go on there. <laughs> now I'm just curious if there's a psych credit. Sorry. Oh, there probably is. There so is. There's a Costco Reddit. Oh my gosh. I'm I'll so glad you, I didn't know I'll about it. I'll find it and send you the link. Thanks. No. <laughs> oh my no, God. but it's so important that you're not trying to like almost reenact someone else's journey. Mm. No one, just because it yes. worked for someone once doesn't mean it's going to work for you this time. Yeah. So you really have to focus on your own personal path, your own personal growth, this is not a reenactment. You can't go and just copy Lexi. Yes, she started an amazing company, but like we can't just copy her. <laughs> it's not going to work the same. It's already been done. You have to find your own inspiration in things. You yeah. can't just follow someone's footsteps. This isn't like walking in the snow. This is walking in the rain. The footsteps disappear as fast as you go. Yeah, whatever so you beautiful. Wow. <laughs> yes, <Sure>. more. <laughs> I was a theater kid. Sometimes it comes out in weird I ways. Mean, <laughs> I love it. That's why she's my co-host. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Oh, thanks. Oh, oh my gosh. I know when you um when Sarah so initially Sarah joined our organization, the National Braille Community, which started this podcast back in 2021. And this past year. Um, I wasn't really sure how to structure my team. And she just emailed me like this beautiful essay about everything she had done for us and what she had hoped for the future and how she wanted to be in this position. (laughs) And I was like, this is amazing. I need more people who take initiative and like have that vision. (laughs) That's so sweet. It's really a small percentage of 
like people out there who are like, can be really passionate about a project like this and want to take initiative and be leaders. And that's okay. Like if you're a follower, like that's totally fine. Um, but I just really admire she created her own Sarah. path. Yeah. Right? That's what she did. <laughs> but no, I think that that's really, really cool. And I, the one thing that I see with incredibly successful people, be it in business or, or medicine. And I have so many friends who are doctors. It's like, they weren't scared to do something that no one's done. They weren't scared yeah. to take a risk. They weren't scared to try and pave the way in some way. And it could have backfired, but it, I feel like it so rarely does to the extent that people fear it would. And it often comes with such benefits. And I love the whole pave your own way because ultimately, you know, it, the things you're worried about now are not going to matter in like five years. <laughs> oh my God. I know. <laughs> it's like, like, and do it in a way you want to do it and be proud of it and enjoy it as much as you can. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> I say it a lot in the podcast. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you could probably put together a compilation. You should. Oh my God. I have like key phrases where it's like absolutely absolutely definitely I say a hundred percent and then I had to stop because I noticed I was like hundred percent my fiance says that constantly Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) I'm trying to stop yeah my little sister makes fun of him for it it's pretty funny (laughs) hundred percent hundred percent love it oh that's hilarious well, I would love to transition over to our game. Yay. Um, Yay. For our listeners, please don't sue us. We did not copy this from Vogue. This is totally my own original idea and thought process. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do a little... I think you're allowed to ask questions. <laughs> I'm allowed yeah. to ask questions. Um, we're going to do a quick like speed round interview. We're going to do seven minutes with Sarah <laughs> and we're going to see what her thoughts are on all of my little questions. I'm scared. So you got this. You ready? I'm ready. On a scale from one to 10, how excited are you to answer these interview questions today? Eight. What's your favorite color? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're so upset. I am so honest. <laughs> Two percent. I was eight. scared. Okay. What the heck? Two percent. I was scared. Come on. Hey, eight was pretty good. Was like, here. Okay. There you go. Nine. I got a B. Nine. Fine. Nine. I'm nine. Don't nine. Excited. Pe- don't get peer pressured into changing <sighs> your answer by like. Okay. I'm just gonna you. make faces yeah. over here and be like, "That's yeah. bad. <laughs> That's bad." Uh, favorite color: green. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Uh, grab my phone. Same. Terrible. It's like yeah, it's, it's an issue. It's an addiction. Issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is one thing you hope that people will say about you? Oh my god, that I cared. <laughs> oh, how do you take your coffee? I only have decaf because caffeine messes with my nervous system, and I get stressed and anxious. So I have a decaf latte. Oh. What would you say is the biggest impact being a digital nomad has had on you? Oh, it's changed my life. 
<laughs> literally in like every Fair. sense like personally professionally the friends I make it's just been it's been life-changing what is one word you'd use to describe psychotherapy deep oh do you speak any other languages yes I speak Serbian and then what? Like a bit of all the Slavic. Yeah, I'm Serbian Canadian. So I'm fluent in Serbian, oh. Bosnian, Croatian. I mean, it's all kind of variations of one another, but yeah. That's awesome. I'm Thanks. Jealous. I'm learning Korean right now, but I'm not fluent. <laughs> That's cool. That's Thanks. awesome. I'm trying to learn Spanish. It's not going well. Ooh, fun. So now that we've mentioned you're Canadian, everyone knows when Canadians say sorry. But what is another common Canadian phrase? A. There you Fair. go. That was my second pick. I was like, should I use sorry or A? <laughs> They're both equally good. They are. Do you remember taking on the role of a therapist for any friends or family when you were growing up? Ooh. Um, yes, definitely. I feel like in my friend's circle I when they wanted to actually do something create any kind of change not just bitch most of them would kind of come and then it was kind of come to Jesus with Sarah (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's I wasn't qualified obviously but I feel like I was all about truth and change and just feeling our feelings I love that that's how the other Sarah here is to me (laughs) <laughs> just call her randomly I love that she's my second boyfriend that's so cute <laughs> boyfriend yeah. is her fiance jealous <laughs> oh yeah. my boyfriend's only jealous sometimes. only sometimes <laughs> I love it <laughs> did you ever lock yourself in a cabin in the woods or in a beach house on the beach when you were trying to write your book um yeah I mean, nothing that exciting or exotic, but I, (laughs) I would lock myself away in my apartment for weeks at a time. And then my sister would come and just bring me food and I wouldn't shower and I would just sit there and work for hours on end. It wasn't like when I first started writing my book, I was still traveling around. So I don't even know what countries I was in France and Italy and Austria and Serbia and so it was this book was written all over the world but then when push came to shove and kind of the the finding manuscript was being edited and read by me um I locked myself in my apartment in Sydney that's all in Sydney Australia I live in Australia yeah sorry I'm actually based in Australia now it's really confusing don't worry about it I yeah (laughs) that's really cool don't worry it's fine I just live in a different country (laughs) Yeah, actually, yes. This is my first time in Canada in years, but it's nice to be back. That's awesome. What TV or movie character do you most relate to? My gosh. I know. I don't even know. I don't know. I'm stressed out. What character? Oh, I would like to think I was as cool as Donna from Suits. Like, I don't know yes. if you guys watch, but you know, she's just like see so witty and charming, but so good at her job and so no bullshitty. I really, I like her vibe. I wish I was like her. I can see it. I think you've got her in. Yeah. Thank you. Just yeah. Fine tune. <laughs> <laughs> More personable than Donna, honestly. 
<laughs> Thank you. I think so. I mean, it comes with the profession, but yes, I think I'm a lot more probably empathetic and gentle. Um, but Definitely. I do, I do like her character a lot. It's a cool way to portray a woman. It yeah. is. It totally is. Mm-hmm. When you pick up your phone, who is the person you're most frequently dialing? My sister. Oh, she's my best friend. <laughs> Do you think we will ever see you in a TV show or a documentary? Yes. <gasps> Hope so. Gasp. Do you have any so. guilty pleasures? I don't feel guilty about any of my pleasures. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Me too. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> what is your go-to happy hour place? Like for drinks? Yeah. I don't actually drink. I mean, really rarely. I just, I, it's not because I, I think, yeah, I just, I don't care for it. But I do like a martini when I'm in New York. It makes me feel really cool. So I drink martinis when I'm in New York. It's it's kind of an inside joke, but I, (laughs) I genuinely like martinis and I only drink them in New York. So that's, that's it. It's I like smoking that. cigarettes in Paris. You just exactly. It. It's like a contextual thing. Yes, I get it. I totally get that. You love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that was my last question for you. Whoa. I love that. Can you mean that? Was it? so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job. Oh, yeah. Like how stressful through. it is. You're like, why do I like you forget everything about yourself? Yeah, and then like how they do it on the third party, whatever show that I'm not going to name. They like it's walk through. <laughs> they know the questions guys. Come on. They're not. Yeah. Actually totally on rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're way too rapid fire with that. They definitely like ran through that. And, six like, times. Mm, and then come with like the best answer. And you're like, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Ours were more real. hundred percent. Ours were real. <laughs> Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us and for talking to us about imposter syndrome and all things mental health. And if you want to just take a minute and let us know where we can find you and all the details about your book that's being released here soon, go right ahead. Everyone's going to want to find you after. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. No, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It was very fun. I love what you're all doing. Your mission is incredible. It's amazing. I wish I had people like you during my graduate program. So I I am just, my heart is full watching you work and do your magic. Um, oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. Well, I mean it. Um, again, chronically honest. I don't lie about things like that. Um, <laughs> Good to no, know. you can find me on millennial.therapist on Instagram. That's my kind of primary social media um and you can find me trickle stuff on others um yeah I do have a newsletter which is really fun it comes out roughly once a week so if you want more more juicy content I have a I have a newsletter on Substack under my name Sarah Kubrick and then my new book is coming out which is something I'm most proud of most excited about it's called it's on me it's out September 19. And you can find it anywhere they sell books, essentially. So that's tomorrow. It comes out tomorrow, guys. Wait, did I see? <laughs> what? Oh, tomorrow. Yes, it comes out tomorrow. And the book is really fun. It answers two questions. Who am I and why am I here? So if that's something you're struggling with, 
that's the book for you. Ooh, can we pre-order? You sure can, and please do. Although this will yeah. be kind of irrele- irrelevant for the podcast, but <laughs> it's a little late to pre-order now. I'll pre-order right now. Lexi so and I pre-order. <laughs> That's really great for our authors. Pre-orders are important, so there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us, and I'll roll the credits real quick. This podcast was produced by Ari Rosenthal, Lorelai Edmonds, and Diti Kalande. You can find our conference and all events on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at National Pre-Health Community or MPHC 2020. And you can find our podcast and all updates on Instagram at The Pre-Health Pod. All of our events, including an upcoming research symposium, our next National Pre-Health Conference in the spring, and a special event for ex- exclusive for future physician assistants can all be found at our website at nationalprehealthconfconf.org. And please like, leave a review, and tell one friend if you liked our podcast. Thanks for listening. See you later.